Good morning and welcome everybody into a good afternoon. I should say welcome everybody into two-man game here on ClavesOnline.com. I'm Matthew Rocchio. That's Bob Ramsey. We're here to talk some basketball here on ClavesOnline.com. Rammer, before we get into it, thank, welcome into the show. Thank you for joining me today. And of course, tell the folks where you are today. Dayton, Ohio. There it is. Rammer, of course, on the road for the Billikens versus the Dayton Flyers. The Arch Baron Cup on Friday evening, and he's so kind to join us live from Ohio. I've been staying. This is the this is the oddity. I've been staying in the Dayton Marriott across the uh, Miami River from Dayton Arena for 37 years. Is that your longest Same relationship? Hotel. Is that your longest relationship in life? It is. <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, that's, funny. that's honestly I've amazing. Seen the, I've seen the hotel go through like four major multi-million dollar renovations. Does a single employee know you by name? No, they've all died. Oh, damn. Well, on that dark note, we're going to table a conversation about SLU basketball in Dayton, Ohio, for the Arch Baron Cup till a little bit later on in the show because we have to talk today right off the bat about an incredible NBA trade deadline. Obviously, we talked about what was kind of a nominal start of it with Kyrie Irving getting traded to the Mavericks over the weekend. But then this morning, everything gets kicked into high gear. There was a little bit another one of a, you know, kind of a little bump in the road, if you will, before everything got started. And that was yesterday when the, when the Lakers made their move, shipping out Russell Westbrook, getting back D'Angelo Russell. And then what I and namesake for this website, Michael Claiborne, would argue is the actual big move of that trade is Mike Conley Jr. getting moved to the Minnesota Timberwolves who are trying to find a consistent point guard to run their offense and maybe make a run at a play-in spot in the West. And speaking of the West, that continued the theme of where the big moves were coming. Then, of course, it was Kevin Durant. If you didn't see it, Kevin Durant and T.J. Warren were shipped off to the Phoenix Suns for four first-round picks, 23, 25, 27, 29. Um, and they also um, sent Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, and Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder was then flipped to the Milwaukee Bucks for five for, for five second-round picks. By the way, that was one of two times where a guy got traded for five second-round picks today, which is just an insane number to see anytime you're watching it. Um, so just right off the bat, we get a bunch of big moves that kind of completely change the West and a couple smaller ones that changed the East. A couple other ones I, I want to dive into really quickly before we talk about how the landscape has changed. Because in the West, it's been a lot of big moves. So we saw the Mavericks make a big move and we saw the Suns make a big move. First in the West by four and a half games right now is the Denver Nuggets. They had a weird, an interesting day, in my opinion. They traded away Bones Highland to the Los Angeles Clippers, who, while I love his style and he's a, a you know, flashy player, he's a great talker. He had been kind of seeing his minutes decline over the last a month or so, so it makes sense for them. They also made a trade for a backup center from the Lakers, Thomas Bryant. That was really the one thing the, the Nuggets needed was a backup center. They, they get killed when Nikola Jokic isn't out there. Yeah. And, and then the, the, the kind of the last thing here, Rammer, that I want to bring you in, OG Odenobi doesn't get traded at all for the Toronto Raptors. Um, aside as Ujiri comes out and says that they never saw the deal they really wanted for him. And that was obviously after the Kevin Durant trade. That was the big name a lot of people were throwing out because of his ability to defend 
a guy like Kevin Durant or at least slow him down. So right off the bat, before we dive into some of the tertiary ones that have kind of hit since the big ones, your thought on the big changes in the Western Conference with Kevin Durant? Well, there's a couple of things. The overarching stuff, because you're the detail guy when it comes to the NBA, but the overarching stuff to me is the East stands pat or tanks. The West gets in an arms race. I think, I don't know if you're a fan, um, uh, George C. Scott telling the president um, in the Kubrick film, he says he doesn't, he's afraid they're going to get into a mine shaft gap with the Russians. And it was an absolute arms race in the West. And I, teams, to me, it looked like we're afraid to fall behind everybody else. We got a deal. We got a deal. We got a deal. But the, to me, and the West stuff is really interesting to try and see how it's all going to lay out. But I'm fascinated at the, at the saga, the, the exciting up and the horrific crash of the game plan of the Brooklyn Nets. Um, when it was supposed to be Irving, Harden, and Durant um, becoming a super team, dominating, uh, and a very short time later, they're all gone. They're all gone. But I do want to remind they those three only played 16 games together, but they were 13 and three in those 16 huh, games. That's, yeah, I've heard the 16 game stat. I haven't heard the 13 and three one yet. They that's were good. 13 and three. So they were on to something, but it, it's, it's odd. It's just crazy to me how they were so close and yet it all fell apart. Now I think you go. And, you know, you see Kyrie go to the Mavs. But because of what the other teams did, the Mavs may technically be better, but are they relatively better? Because didn't the teams ahead of them also get better? I I think it's a fascinating, fascinating look at the West. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as soon as the Suns made the trade, everything got, you know, got turned on its head because the the Nuggets are the top team. But now when you look at rosters – Everyone's gonna everyone's gonna want to roll with the Suns as the team to beat now in the West. When you have yeah. a, a top four right off the bat of Devin Booker, Chris Paul, Kevin Durant, DeAndre Ayton, it's gonna be hard to beat that. I will say that my my initial reaction to that trade, again, it's a great trade for the for the Suns. There's no doubt about that. But it, they're a thin, they're a much thinner team now. There's no, I mean, uh, they 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 had they had cobbled together a really good second unit. You know, with guys like Cam Johnson and kind of the different, you know, third point guards or third guards they would have out there, Dario Sarge, who they also moved. I liked the second unit they put together, but it, it clearly there was a chemistry issue. There was just something not clicking in, in Phoenix, and they needed a change of pace. And obviously Kevin Durant's one hell of a change of pace. Um, by the way, not to, not to be forgotten, I mentioned the Jay Crowder part of that deal. That's a huge deal in the East. Uh, the Knicks made a, a deal for Josh Hart. Uh, you know, a couple other teams in the East, little deals there. The uh, Philadelphia 76ers traded away, but he's fine. Whoa, 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 whoa. Go back. Just go, don't leave Phoenix. I'm Okay. Go, go back. I, all right. Your depth, you got a great monologue going there. The, the, uh, uh, I think you're, it's a great point about the depth. And for the long haul of the regular season, I think that would be very impactful. They're getting ready to play for postseason. 
Yeah, that's all they care about. That's all they care about. And I, I suggest, could be wrong, I suggest that a shorter rotation, not worried about the depth as much, might not be a factor in postseason. And, and listen, they, they've gotten really good minutes out of, out of you know, some people, that, some players that people I've heard, you know, I'm going to say them right now, but most of the people who listen to the podcast haven't heard of Ish Wainwright or Torrey Craig. They've gotten good minutes out of them, and they made and they got rid of Dario Sarge. They brought in Darius Baisley from the Thunder. I think that moves just kind of because Sarge is a big, is a big <clears> amount <throat> of money, and Durant's going to play a lot of small ball five minutes. So, I mean, th- again, they got T.J. Warren, who – one of the worst trades in Suns history is when they just handed him to the uh, Pacers with a first-round pick to get cap relief. Well, he was averaging almost 20 points as a fourth-year forward. So getting him back, too, as a scorer off the bench is is honestly one of the best parts about the deal that no one's going to want to talk about. Um, it, it, but, this, but if you have Booker playing what, what he can do, you have a healthy Chris Paul, you have now Kevin Durant, and you have a more engaged DeAndre Ayton, then you are arguably the top team in the West. Yeah. And he and, now, and and that brings me to kind of my other point in the West, which is the Nuggets didn't have the first round picks to go after OG Ananobi in a reasonable way. And I'm sure Masai Ujiri, who comes from Denver, probably had a couple of conversations with them that wasn't going to work out. So they had to cobble together their best moves possible. Getting rid of a, a backup point guard, bringing in some size down low when that's been your, your problem area, that's pretty much the best that Denver's going to be able to do. The only thing they could have done is bring in somebody who can potentially stop Kevin Durant from going atomic on you in the Western Conference Finals. Maybe. Do they, and, and I don't know who that is. Who is I mean, OG, OG uh, by the numbers, OG is one of the best defenders on Kevin Durant in the NBA. He's, in the, he's, an Eastern, he's an Eastern Conference team in Toronto playing the Nets, so he's one of the people who has seen Durant the most this season, but he's one of the best defenders on him. Again, that essentially looks like Kawhi winning the MVP against LeBron because he kept him from going 30-10-10 in the finals while LeBron went like 26-7-5. Kawhi got an MVP because he didn't go atomic, and, and so that's kind of my point. And so the question now is going to become, can the, can the Nuggets outscore uh, uh, this new Suns team, can Aaron Gordon be the kind of super athlete that we've always thought he, he was going to be and he kind of showed himself to be offensively this year? Can he do that maybe for a little bit defensively? Or does getting a Thomas Bryant so that you have a consistent center who can run your defense effectively essentially put a stop in what the, has been huge gaps in, in the Nuggets being able to be an effective team whenever Jokic hits the bench? It, it's kind of if, you know, you're trying to win the game. You know, you're trying to win the day on the margins because nothing you can do compares to getting Kevin freaking Durant. So, I think we everybody kind of sees how things look on paper. So, my challenge is to to you is to give me a dark horse. Give me not Phoenix, not Denver. Who who has maybe more chemistry than marquee power? You see what I'm saying? The one move I really liked, and the two other teams in the West who made a, who made some moves, is the Clippers made a lot of moves. Yeah, and I don't I don't I don't dislike the Clippers moves. They get Eric Gordon um, from the Houston Rockets. They get Bones Highland again from the from the yeah. from the, the Nuggets. I like the moves they made, but the one move I think is most interesting is that they traded away the best three point shooter in Clippers history, Luke Kennard, and they traded him away to the Memphis Grizzlies. 
Yeah. The Memphis Grizzlies getting a knockdown three-point shooter is huge. Because, again, I think that's a team that at times when they play well, it's a greater than the sum of their parts. And they got, they got a lot of great parts. And here's the thing. Freakish defensive athletes like Jaron Jackson Jr. are the kind of players you need to handle other unicorns. I'm not saying Jaron Jackson Jr. again could stop Kevin Durant, but you're talking about a guy who is six six nine with a seven foot wingspan who can move well in the perimeter. That's about what you would draw up in a laboratory if you wanted to not get murdered by right. Kevin Durant in a basketball game. So. And they still have Steven Adams to be the big man, big man in, in, in other situations. So against DeAndre Ayton specifically. And so I like the potential of, of how they could match up against the, the Kevin Durant sons. And again, getting to Nard another shooter gives them an offensive aspect on the wing, a, a knockdown shooter that they have in Bain and they have in Brooks, but those guys have to be a little bit more than just knockdown shooters. So getting a guy like Kennard in there, who's just a role player in that situation, yeah. I think that's huge for the Memphis Grizzlies. Agreed. Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. Now they're not really a dark horse because they're the second seed in the West right now, but I, I maybe the Clippers might be the better answer for the dark horse because I like the moves they made. And at any point, if they put together a forty-game stretch into the, uh, leading into the playoffs, where Kawhi's playing the majority of the games and Paul George is healthy, well, then all bets are off, and, and the Clippers are, are a giant wild card. It's kind of been like that for, for a few years now. Yeah. At this point, you can't you can't bet on them being there um, because of what they you know because of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. You just can't bet on them consistently. So Matt so, Rocchio, Matt Rocchio says, lock it in, call your bookie, Boston versus Phoenix in the finals. No, I'm not saying that. <laughs> okay, I just threw it. Out. I just thought I'd see what kind of reaction we got. Now, no, it's um, I think all these deals um, sort of change the equation, not only with the teams themselves, but um, uh, with the chemistry in the conferences. Uh, I think it's going to make it a fascinating stretch run. Absolutely. And, and, and Boston didn't really do anything. Like you said, the East State had a little bit more. The big thing for me in the East that I, that I was going to mention was the – 76ers traded away Matisse Thibault, which seemed like a weird move because he's such a defensive monster. But they got Jalen McDaniels from the Bobcats, who's a nice little scoring guard. And so I think it's even interesting to see a team like the 76ers, who they make a move, but the only move they make is this slight little one on the periphery with one of their, not even one of their starting guards, to get just a little bit more offense than what they're putting out right now from that spot. I think that's a really interesting move because consistently we see in the NBA that when the playoffs roll around, defense tightens up. And so having a, a stopper guard like Matisse Thibel seems like it'd be something pretty useful to have against the Philadelphia 76ers. But they decided, you know, we need we need a little bit of offensive juice at, at times, you know, and that's that's shocking with Embiid and Max and Harden. But nonetheless, that's just a, it's interesting to me that that's the decision the third team in the East made was just well, let's get a little bit more offense. Despite being already one of the better offensive teams in the league. The only logic I can see is in that move is that if they, the Sixers, believe they can make a run, if they believe that, we don't have to agree or not. But if they believe it, then a tweak makes sense. Whereas in the West, everyone's making big, giant moves. And they're saying, no, 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 we're really close. This tweak 
we can now compete with Boston. I don't agree with that, but that's the only way it makes sense to me. Yeah, and there is some second-year, 23-year-old producer at ESPN right now who just start working on the package for when Jay Crowder wins a title with the Milwaukee Bucks and we have this sentimental music. He didn't play for 15 months. He thought his time in the NBA was over. But now Jay Crowder is a champion. Because that's exactly how this goes, is you get a guy who's never who hasn't played in a year, who's a solid three and D player, who finally gets who finally gets away from the team that wasn't playing him inexplicably, of course. And now Jay Crowder pops up on the the, the Bucks. They don't have their PJ Tucker anymore. Jay Crowder sounds like he can be a little bit of a PJ Tucker form, small ball five, you know, wing four, knock down some threes, play some good defense, and all of a sudden it's it's a redemption story like we've never seen before in the NBA finals. Just start working on the package now. It's it's practically happening. Well, it's funny that you're willing to make an outlandish prediction like that, but you won't say who you think will be in this year's finals. But that's okay. I get it. I'm listen. I'm, if, I will say right now. I'll make, I'll make a prediction right now. The Bucks are going to be in the finals for, the, for in the Eastern Conference, but in the Eastern Conference Finals. Yes, they, you know they're going to win. The, they're going to win the Eastern Conference Finals and be playing in the finals. They're going to from the Eastern beat Conference. The Celtics. Yes, they are. But here's the thing, Rammer. I. I don't know about the West, but I'm so excited because, Rammer, three months ago, I'm planning a trip to Phoenix. And my significant other who I'm on the trip with it says, let's go to an NBA game. You've already been to your first one. Let's go to your second one. I'm like, that's great. The Nuggets are in town playing the Phoenix Suns. I'm like, hey, that's all you're my favorite team. Let's go watch them. That'd be pretty special. So three months ago, I got tickets for the Nuggets and the Suns in Phoenix. And then I what woke is that up today. Be? It's, what's, uh, what's Mar- it's uh, March 29th, I think. So which, which, of the, which of the stars are going to take the game off? That Okay, um, listen. Don't, 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 don't jump to the damn Durant, point. Durant, no, he's going to get healthy. Joker says, no, nah, I'm not going to show him my game. I'm going to chill. Listen, you knew exactly where Porter, I was going. Michael Porter will have a sore back. Listen, if Michael Porter plays in that game as a Mizzou fan, I'll be shocked. Um, that's, he that played would just, really that would well be, the other night. He played he really well like, the other night. Yeah, like 30, yeah, like 30 points yeah. on like 25 shots. He was crazy. But I like to my, see, the, I, I hate to see guys that we followed have such um, uh, long-term troublesome injury problems. It's just really sad to me. So I root for him. Oh yeah, yeah, me too. Obviously, but yeah, my you kind of jumped to what I was gonna say, which is oh. I'm very excited. I'm extremely lucky the fact that the, the, the ticket's gotten this much better because um, literally since I bought since I when I bought that ticket, the Suns hadn't completely like fallen out of favor yet, um, but they weren't exactly doing that hot. But the the, yeah. the Nuggets were only the Nuggets were only like the fourth seed in the West, and Kevin Durant was a Brooklyn Net, and then three months later, the Nuggets are the number one team in the West, and Kevin Durant's now a Phoenix Sun. But you're absolutely right. Today I thought to myself, I'm like, there's no way all four. There's no way Booker, Durant, Paul, and Jokic all play. There's just – there's no freaking way I'm going to get that lucky that this, that this ticket that turned into, like, a freaking solid gold bar overnight last night somehow while I was sitting there on my iPhone is going to be – like, one of them's not playing. You're absolutely right. I just, I just hope it's Chris Paul. <laughs> 
That's terrible to say. I've been watching Chris Paul my entire basketball fandom. And I should be very excited to see him. But at the same time, Kevin Durant, greatest, one of the greatest scorers ever. Nikola Jokic, my, one of my favorite players ever. Devin Booker, son of a Mizzou guy. Um, if I gotta take, if I gotta take any future Hall of Famer not in that lineup, I'm sorry, CP3, but I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not a Wake Forest grad. But anyway, I'm excited about a Rammer. The NBA got a lot more interesting today. Again, there's a lot of trades we weren't able to cover. There's just, there's so many all over the place um, across across the West. There was uh, 10% of the league Rammer got traded today in the NBA. 10% That's crazy. of of the league was involved in a trade today. And Absolutely unbelievable. Who in the league still holds all of their second round picks for the next five years? Nobody. Nobody. Mainly because I'm pretty sure there's going to be a draft where the Oklahoma City Thunder own half of the second round. It's like, <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's going to be like the no. 2027 draft. It's literally going to be the Oklahoma City Thunder are going to have seven or eight picks in a row one year. Everybody just go home. Yeah, and they should. Um, again, this isn't a carnival game, Sam Presti. You don't get to, like, walk into the league office. You're like, I have these 30 second-round picks. Can you give me one lottery selection for them? That's not how it works. No. It'd be fun if it, if it did, but that's not how it works. I'm sorry, Sam Presti. But get seriously, over it. seriously, they'll have to start moving those because that is um, – that that's just – that's not the way you need to draft. You oh, yeah, one, by the way one, – one or two a year and a free agent and maybe a trade. But to have, you know, a bunch of guys come in and only one or two are going to make the roster, that's that's not a way to do it. And by the way, I, I one last trade I need to mention. James Wiseman was traded for five second-round picks today. Former number two overall pick in the draft for the Golden State Warriors was moved for five second-round picks. Few years after he was number two overall, it's absolutely insane. Um, but we got to talk about uh, what's going to be an insane atmosphere, as it is every time these two teams play each other. Because Rammer, you're in Ohio. It's Arch Baron Cup week. It's Mizzou, and it's, it's Mizzou. It's SLU, I should say. St. Louis facing off against Dayton tomorrow evening. It's going to be an incredible game. It's kind of gotten a little bit softened because uh, the Billikens had that two-game. Um, slide there in the A-10, and then Dayton had three out of four losses back in January in the A-10. They had a big win, though, against VCU the same night the slew, got back in the wing column against Rhode Island. Right off the bat, your thoughts on what is always a crazy matchup for the Billikens in Ohio. Well, it had been a tremendous rivalry for several decades, but um, quite frankly, when things declined for SLU, um, after Jim Cruz won the uh, National Coach of the Year, talent dwindled, and uh, Dayton more or less took over the series. Mm. So for the last, what is that, 10 years now? Yep. Eight years, whatever it is, Dayton's pretty much dominated the series. Now, they split last year, but winning at Dayton in the last decade has been next to impossible. Um, it will be kind of interesting the, the highest scoring team in the league, SLU, against the best defensive team in the league, Dayton. Dayton's got two bigs, the top two rebounders in the league. One, two on the list, both Dayton Flyers. Um, and uh, I think that'll be the challenge because we know that the Billikens, it's an almost must for SLU 
to win, to win the rebounding battle. That's it's hard to imagine they'll be able to do that. So how do you counteract the number that has has been 99% critical in victory? That's the real yeah. challenge. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Dayton this year ranking 75th in rebounds. And we just take a look at their starting lineup. It's hard to see. It's not hard to see why Rammer, Kobe Elvis is 6-2. And then their, their, their last, their, their most common starting lineup over the last few games after 6-2 Kobe Elvis is followed up by 6-8 Mike Shatterjamps, 6-8 Tumani Kamara, 6-10 Mustafa Amzil, and 6-10 Deron Holmes II. They are running some big-ass lineups out under the court right now. St. Louis obviously not anywhere close to the longest team in the A-10 or college basketball. Just right off the bat, you know, skill, you know, positionless basketball. We, we get kind of lost sometimes in, in how sometimes the game of basketball gets really simplified when an entire team is just longer and taller than the team they're playing. How, how difficult just right off the bat is that going to make this match for the Billikens? Well, I think, I think you talk about, you know, um, the actions they run to get guys free. You, you got to make shots. I'm going to set the over under at um, what they need jump shot wise, three point wise to makes to win. I'm going to set it at 11 and a half. Okay. Makes. I think if you told me, Hey, I promise you, you can hit 12 threes against Dayton. I think you've got a really good chance. Well, to your point, Rammer, just kind of looking here at, at the Billikens, um, they are 5-0 and when they've hit double-digit three-pointers this season. Uh, and I think it's got to be – got to push it a little bit because of the aforementioned Dayton defensive prowess. So if you even went, heck, 12 for 30, I'd take that. Yeah, that, that would be an, a fascinating line for the Billikens. We haven't seen them go to that to that length. But, again, when you're playing a team that you've never – that you – that uh, with a profile – that you haven't seen the rest of this year, and maybe a profile that you aren't a good matchup against in a, in a lot of ways, you got to do something a little bit different again. That's going to be the trickiest part for me. It's going to be interesting to see where the matchups come from. God, would this entire conversation be different as it would be in a lot of games? when you, If you had a guy like Fred Thatch, who I don't care if he's 6'4", and, and Kamara's 6'8", or Deron Holmes is 6'10", I'm taking Fred Thatch, you know, giving, giving a good effort against those guys no matter what. But you eliminate that, and now the question becomes Javon Pickett, Javante Perkins, Gibson Jimerson. These guys are not necessarily undersized or, or small relative to even their position. I mean, Pickett plays you know, a small power forward, but he's a thick guy. And so these guys, as they have in a lot of games, again, they're going to have to step up defensively and, and, and be problematic. They're going to have to be obstacles in these guys' ways. You just can't be playing Matador defense. I'm not saying you can shut these guys down. You're not going to. I can't dominate these guys, but you have to get in their way and make them actually work for it. Two things. One, um, uh, personnel strategy. You say, look, we we can't match them in size. So let's go the opposite way. Let's make them match up with us, mouse in the house, and play the smallest lineup you can play. That's one thing. Uh, two, we, and I don't, I don't have any idea about this. I was traveling today, not at practice. Um, will you try more? Will you play uh, more zone than you normally do? In fact, will you play mostly zone court? You say, okay, you can pack it in. 
sometimes it's really hard to find your blockout assignment in a zone. So I, I don't know the answers to those, but those are a couple of things you could consider as you try to put your game plan together. Yeah, and, and one thing that's going to be fascinating, obviously, every time we, we, we talk about St. Louis, I can't help but wonder how teams have these, these crazy shooting nights against them. Um, lately, especially in conference play, Dayton has really jacked up the amount of threes they're taking. I wonder if, if maybe that could be one thing that could play in the Billikens' favor because it's a game where maybe where Dayton isn't pounding the paint consistently in that advantage. Maybe the fact that Dayton's shooting a little bit more, and they took almost 33s uh, the last you know three or of the last five games in conference play. They've won them. They've hit those. You know, they've hit threes in some of those games. But I really think this could be a, a situation where their profile that they're decide they're coming to the table with might not be as bad as it could have been, you know, had had it been earlier in the season when they were pounding the paint game after game, possession after possession with Kamara and Deron Holmes. Um, I don't really have an answer for you. I don't know, you know, if they're, if they're making threes and dominating inside, well, you know, doesn't matter what Jersey you're wearing, what league you're playing in. You're do- if you're if you're dominating at the rim and hitting threes, you're going to win games. That's it. I mean, I don't. There's no answer for that. Yeah, and, and that's. I mean, they, they have just. It's just such a weird team. If you go back, if you go back and look at some of these games they played, because it doesn't. It's even when the games when they where they've been completely out of sorts and their offense hasn't been able to get going, and they've had games where. They've taken. They've gone 14 of 30 the night before. In the very next game, they shoot three of 10 from deep. It's kind of like St. Louis, where it's it's not even that they're getting outplayed. It's just kind of a listless thing where they're letting the other team dictate the pace of the game. And that's been St. Louis's big problem. And I think they did a little bit better. Travis talked about them doing a little bit better against Rhode Island, but that's still a big problem. So you have, you have two teams, but when they lose game when they lose games because they let the other team dictate the style. So it's going to be interesting to see maybe in the first five, 10 minutes, which team finally, you know, is feeling it that night and puts the onus on them themselves to dictate what the style of the game is going to be. Well, we got to be, we got to be real about this. Trying to beat Dayton at their place is it's, it's really a challenge. The Billikens will have to make shots early. They have to. Uh, and even then you wouldn't say you're dictating the style, but maybe if you can do that, you can prevent Dayton from dictating the style. And then it's just, uh, it's just, uh, uh, you know, who makes shots, who makes plays, who gets rebounds. You know, if they shoot 33s, um, do the long rebounds, um, long rebounds off threes, does that kind of negate a height advantage that they, that Dayton would have, you know, who knows? Uh, I don't know. I think those kinds of things are impossible to predict, but those are all legitimate scenarios. You said who makes plays. That's the big thing I'm going to still be watching for the Billikens. I thought you saw it again again in Rhode Island. Gibson Jimerson, Javon Pickett, Sincere Parker, uh, Javante Perkins, these guys, the big men, these guys making just classic, sensible basketball passes inside the offense not stuff you know not not passes that are 100 percent within a play set you know a guy's coming to curl around the screen so you so you hit him there because he's ready 
but just the basic passes that you have to make against a shifting defense to be an above-average offense. And that's such a problem for the Billikens at times this season against better defenses, against longer defenses, ones that where the ball being faster than the man matters a little bit less or, or almost because you, you have to pass to beat them matters almost entirely more. Can they make those passes against the Dayton defense? When they're this long, That that making that pass at the first split second when the defense shifts and they leave that guy across the, the play wide open on, on the perimeter for an open three, making that pass right when they shift instead of one, one fake stop and then making the pass and then they're recovering already, that's the difference against this kind of length, this kind of defensive team. If SLU continues to show improvements there from players not named Yuri Collins, then I think maybe we could see the offense get going. If they stagnate a little bit again in that one sense of the game, I think it maybe looks a, a lot more like, you know, Iona or you know, one of those games where the, the offense just can't get rolling. Well, I, I, I think, well, the Iona, th- Iona and a couple of other games, I think that's a Iona, Maryland might be, okay, might be, I, might I think be that's a start. completely different animal, but I think, um, say Bonaventure, I, I, huh? Say What'd Bonaventure, say? maybe, maybe I'm trying to think of a good, a game that's a good comparison. Well, here, here's, I appreciate your, your glass half full take on that. Um, I'll go glass half empty here because while the Bills did some some of that against a bad Rhode Island team, Rhode Island dictated the pace of the game. Rhode Island did everything okay. they should have done on the road to win a game. Um, and there were still stagnancy moments in the Billiken offense against Rhode Island. I think that's that's the key, not getting stagnant. I think when they move the ball, they can move it against anybody. But how do you avoid the stagnancy? That's, I think, the question. Absolutely. That's going to be the big question for me. It's going to be the big question for Ram. We're going to be watching all of that as the Billikens face off against Dayton in Ohio. It's always a big game. The Arch Baron Cup between the Billikens and the Flyers is going to be tomorrow night. You'll be able to hear Rammer with Earl Austin Jr. on the call on the mighty KMOX. Rammer, before we get going and closing out an incredible episode here on Two Man Game, please tell everybody about your friends at Royal Banks of Missouri. Don't forget Royal Banks has been doing it for 60 years in St. Louis proper, St. Charles, Eastside, Northeast Missouri, everywhere you go. Royal Banks is your hometown bank. Royal Banks for better service means better banking, member FDIC, and equal housing lender. Rammer, you have a great call and have a very safe trip back to St. Louis after the game on Friday. Sounds good. Talk to you soon, buddy. Talk to you soon, Rammer, and thank you so much, St. Louis. We will talk to you soon with more basketball here on Two Man Game on Clades Online. St. Louis Acura has an unbeatable selection of new and pre-owned vehicles. We have over 200 vehicles on hand and in transit. Get the new 2023 MDX or Integra with up to $1,000 in loyalty. Rebates and financing as low as 3.9% for 60 months. You can also lease the 2023 MDX for as low as $599 a month. Or get a pre-owned certified MDX with 3.99% financing. St. Louis Acura, better than ever for you.